I'm here today with Mike Benshoof, my good friend from many, many years ago, and <laughs> our current technical account manager here at Percona. Mike, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you doing, sir? Great. Now, now, Mike, we've known each other for what, seven years now? It's been you've been here seven, eight years, right? I actually just had the ninth anniversary like two weeks ago. So. I lost a year. How did I lose a year? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand, but they um, fly by. Yes. So I remember Mike, when he first joined, I hired Mike uh, years and years ago and he had to come out to my little office in St. John's, Michigan. And so it's in the middle of nowhere, Michigan. It really is. There's nothing there. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, Mike, we, we sat in that little tiny office that was a, um, an old movie theater. Oh yeah. I remember, I remember the, the large plane in the Lansing, the, there were, I think myself and the other six people that were on it. So yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So it was, it was good times. Good times. Yeah. Now, now, so Mike, you've been here nine years. I, I apologize for cutting a year or two off your, your sentence here. Um, you know, and, uh, I, I, I realized that you have done a lot of different things. You started at Percona. You came from a development background first, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're so, a PHP developer. Right. So I started with the, the PHP development and then our DBA moved on to uh, different pastures and um, uh, our lead developer um, asked if I wanted to make the switch from the comfortable desk in development down to the pit in the data center. And um, so, yeah, so from that point on, it was databases uh, all the time. And uh, um, but it was nice because we got to keep some of the development background in work on kind of automating our tooling because it was, you know, right around the time when the DevOps movement was starting. So um, that was kind of the, the goal was to take that development background, understand the app and apply that on the, the operation side. But it also meant I got to be on call. So that was lovely. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and I mean, like coming over to Percona, though, you, you went full in on being mm -hmm. a consultant. So your yep. job was to kind of like parachute into these crazy situations all over the place, you know, whether it was remote or or in person and mm -hmm. help people solve their problems. Right. So now, that was a lot. Of, that was a lot of fun, too. Well, yeah, I, I remember because we sat and we were doing performance audits the first you know, few months. You know, we would go through performance audits and, you know, fix people's stuff together. I mean, it was it was good times. Yeah, it was. And then, you know, obviously from there, it, that first on-call shift uh, when we when we did the on-call consulting and getting to do a data recovery and all those fun things, that was that was exciting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Data recovery. We had to go do f lots of little forensic data recovery things, you know, look for for corruption and, and things like that. But th then you kind of, you know, continue to evolve from the consulting position. You move to the technical account manager position. Tell us all what a technical account manager does. Wow. Um, I don't know if we have enough time in this podcast to go through. I, I think the main thing is understanding our clients' needs um, and kind of translating that to what technically they need, making sure that we're guiding them in the right uh, direction and making sure that they can really use all of our services. Um, you know, sometimes I get to put the technical hat on from time to time, um, but a lot of it really is you know, hey, share with me your ideas. Where are you going? Let's make sure that you're on the right path so that you guys don't spend six months of work and then find out that you chose the wrong solution and then start from scratch again. Um, so it's so really, really, yeah. It's really like not only an advisor who can sit down and tell you based on what they understand about your environment, like what the best course of action is, 
but it's also someone who acts as kind of a database, a high level database architect who's recommending the technologies and recommending, you know, hey, this is how other people solve this problem. Here's what we've done in the past. Here's what you should consider. Right. And I do get asked that a lot, like, hey, what are your other clients that are our scale doing? And then, you know, sharing, okay, I saw a client that was doing this and that kind of fits your use case. Maybe it's something we can look at. And, and um, so, yeah, there is definitely a lot. And a lot of the questions I get are, what are you seeing others in the industry do? Um, or we're going to try this. Do you think it's a bad idea before we even get started? Those are the, the general kind of questions that'll get discussions going. Um, and then we go from there. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot now. So okay. if you can't see Mike sweat. He's sweating now because I just said that. It's cold, though. We had record low temperatures today. Uh, so yeah, it's, we had a freeze warning today. So and yeah. it's really warm out here. And in fact, my office right now where I'm recording this is super hot. Um, I was actually <laughs> checking the air before here. But don't distract me because i got to <laughs> ask you this important question. You know, so, so you, you mentioned, you know, like, uh, you know, people want to know what, you're seeing, what other people are seeing, what other people are doing. Is this a dumb idea? So tell us, what are you seeing? Like, what, what, are, the, what are the things that you're seeing come up more and more now? Um, being that, you know, now you're working for, what is it, like four or five different large enterprises on a regular basis, you're seeing the internal workings. And I'm not asking for names of specific customers or users, but like, what are those trends that are really you know, you, you know, impacting them? I'd say the two biggest things that we're seeing now um, are around space and virtualization and automation, right? Everyone is, is um, you know, obviously there's a lot of data and that's not a new problem, but a lot of enterprises that have, you know, made the switch into open source databases, um, you know, a lot of people will start with something like a MySQL because it's kind of easy to jump into and all of a sudden their data explodes. And now we're looking at how do we re-architect? So really dealing with dealing with space um, and then also giving developers access, right? So a lot of a lot of clients are working on kind of internal clouds or um, allowing empowering their developers to do uh, faster work, right? They're not they're not racking servers anymore and doing that. Um, kind of dance that we used to do as DBAs, it is much more managing kind of an infrastructure with the ability for people to to spin up databases, right? I, most of my clients, when they open tickets with me or start discussions, they're saying, hey, my clients need this. And those are application teams that are within so, their enterprise that are dealing with the operations guys. So that, there, there's two things there. Number one, just to clarify, when you're talking space, you're not talking about space, the final frontier out in outer space. You're talking about disk space. You're talking about storage. You're talking about the size of these environments, right? Because Correct. everybody wants more data. And so how do you manage that data at scale? Just to clarify for those who are listening or watching, um, you know, what you mean by that. But what's interesting is... You know, you're you're talking about people building their own clouds. Why build their own? Why not use the public cloud? Uh, security. Everyone wants to keep everything in house. Um, they they don't want to deal with that. Now, some are doing hybrids, right? They're making their own internal cloud, but then having kind of a backup offsite DR in a public cloud. Um, but a lot of them, but they also already have all the equipment on hand, right? They've they've built data centers out, but they want to just use it in a more efficient way. So making it as an internal cloud where they can then, you know, a, a client or developer comes and says, Hey, we're working on a project. We need a database. Boom. 
here's your cluster. It's not, you know, I need to go buy some servers or um, we need to put this in a, in a public cloud because then if they start their development there and it, it takes off, then they're looking at migrating it back in-house and that type of thing. So everyone wants to keep things in-house as much as they can. Um, and really just with the agility, right, that people are making new new things and the, and the speed that development works, um, being able to quickly launch that is, is important. So they want the cloud experience mm-hmm. without the cloud negatives. Like the they they want to they want to retain control. They want to own this. They 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 want to make sure that you know they can control that own destiny. I know some of them, for instance, you know, especially when you talk about retailers. Retailers just don't like to work with Amazon because they view them as competition. Yeah. Um, you know, and so if they do use the cloud, they typically go Google or Microsoft um, and try and avoid AWS. So it just depends on the industry as well. But so what you're saying is you're seeing quite a few of these companies. They're Hey, we love enabling our developers. We want that speed. We want all that cloud experience. We just want it on-prem or in a hybrid yep. environment. We want to control where we run it, when we run it, how we run it. Yep. And, and again, there are cases where someone just says, I'm all in public cloud and, and and do it. And they take the time because, you know, you can architect security into that. Like it's not something, it's not, not it's, it's something that can be achieved, right? Um, but it takes extra thought and extra planning and extra comfort level. Um, and some of them, when they already have the infrastructure in place and it's just putting a virtualization layer on top of what they already have, it's easier because they already have all the in-house security built and everything and they don't have to learn how to do, you know, security, right? With, with, when you look at all these clouds, they have this shared model of we're going to, you know, secure the infrastructure, but you're going to secure what you do within our infrastructure, right? So you have that that piece that's an extra layer where all that's already controlled when you have everything in on-prem. Um, so it's definitely something you can achieve. It just is an extra, extra layer that has to be applied. Um, so. Okay. Okay. Well, so, so here, here's another question that I, I'm, I'm really curious about, you know, um, you, you work with a lot of companies and you hear a lot of the same thing over and over again, probably. And, you know, this is your opportunity to let people know maybe that most common mistake that just drives you nuts, you just wish it would be solved. Because, you know, we do have a, quite a large audience. We're number one in Tunisia. My podcast is number one in Tunisia for the tech space. Um, we're also uh, number two in Madagascar. Um, okay. So so we've got quite the reach. Um, <laughs> so so what what is that thing that you keep on seeing companies make the same mistake over and over again, and you just wish they would stop? Using the wrong tool for the, the the round peg square hole syndrome, right? Where yeah, okay. we've made we've 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 made an an investment into X technology, so we're using that technology. A use case comes in that doesn't quite fit it, and so then we just fight with it's not a good fit, <laughs> and we continue to fight with it's not a good fit, um, and you know understandably, right? You don't necessarily want to always spin up new technologies, but that's the beauty of these open source databases, right? They're different. They're designed for different use cases and there's no one size fits all. Um, but there's generally a size that really fits what you need. And um, because enterprises, it, it's not a trivial thing, right? If I say, hey, just use this technology. Well, that's like a two-year project to get that spun up or it's like, well, we already have this infrastructure in place. So let's continue to use that. Um, and and then sometimes if it's the wrong use case, it's just pain from that point on. Um, 
And so I think that's one that, you know, being willing to to do that and have access to those other other database options, um, that would be a good thing. Um, I think that's probably the, the biggest one okay. that, that I see. Okay. And so, you know, speaking of, you know, like, you know, hey, choosing the right tool, you just wrote a blog, um, you mm-hmm. know, just came out of the Percona blog on using MyRocks um, and some of the use cases on MyRocks. Um, now, RocksDB is a technology that is built into Percona's server for MySQL. RocksDB is also popular amongst many other database applications. It's used in multiple applications elsewhere. Can you tell us a little bit about RocksDB, MyRocks, and you know that overall um, technology? So, I think the biggest difference is you know when we talk about databases and transactional databases, we were always thinking you know kind of the the default go to is the, the the b tree right and so that's that's a structure that's well known it, it's a very um per- performance system um but you know rights and a lot of large rights um are generally known as one of the problems right if i have an application that i'm doing a lot of bulk loading um or and i'm not doing kind of transactional stuff but i'm just storing a lot of data b trees are not the most efficient right um and so when we look at MyRocks, MyRocks is still kind of that key value, um, key value storage, right? And it's using LSM, uh, LSM trees as opposed to B trees, so they're kind of designed more to push a lot of that actual disk writing down into the background, right? And so you're able to get data loaded faster. Um, and when we think about that, right, that that solves two issues where we see it. And the use case of I want to load a lot of data and the keyword being a lot of data. Normally, you know, your performance would be a hit in a tra- uh, traditional B tree. Um, but then you also have all the space. Right. And so what this LSM tree, which, you know, RocksDB is um, is trying to do is it's trying to minimize that space. So it's trying to give you a better a better space footprint and also better performance. So when we're talking about these large datas where we kind of write stuff and write it once and we're not going back and updating it a lot, sometimes that can be a much better fit. Um, and then you're also ending up with a smaller disk footprint overall. Okay. And you're going to be giving a overview of this at Percona Live coming up shortly, right? You're going to have kind of a one-on-one session on MyRocks? Yes. Uh, so the, the goal with that is really not to dive into the internals. Um, you know, we have we have people that know a lot more about it than, than I do. Um, but really, it's it's to, you know, as the buzz starts around these types of storage engines, we want to make sure that people it's not it's not just viewed as a, oh, this is NODB, you know, plus one. It, it's just better than NODB. They're they're different. Right. And so what we're trying to do is talk about um, where it might be a good fit, um, and and some of the pros and cons, right? Really, just kind of talk about it at that high level. We don't want to go in, and, and we're not trying to break down the efficiency of merge sorts and looking at all that. And we're not going to be talking algorithm analysis, but just does it make sense to even look at it for my business, right? Is, is it is it something that might fit and be be worth looking at? Okay, and so uh, you know, let let me ask you the. Important question. Which cheese steak place? Oh, it's it's Pat's hundred percent. Pat's um, with or without. So I'm a I'm a provolone without guy. Um, okay. That's that's my background. Um I tried Gino's once and I was 
unable to actually finish it. And then I walked across the street to Pat's <laughs> because I, I just, I, I don't know. It was something that just didn't sit well with me. <laughs> so for those who are not from the U.S. and don't understand cheesesteak culture. Okay. So um, Mike and myself share a passion for cheesesteaks and um, things in the Pennsylvania area. I lived in Pennsylvania for a few years. He is from Pennsylvania. He's an Eagles fan. I don't hold it against him. I'm a Browns fan. Yeah. But cheesesteak culture in Pennsylvania is very important. And there are two cheesesteak rival companies that are across the street from one another. And, you know, there is this great divide. It is it is probably a deeper divide than Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. It's a deeper divide than you know, I could see you know, proprietary versus open source. It's do you <laughs> want Pat or Geno's? You know, it's it's a, it's a it's a big thing. And when we talk about with or without, um, you know, cheesesteak with is with cheese whiz without is, um, you know, without. So, well, that's going to be well, technically, with or without is for the onions. So you specify oh, your it? cheese type. And so oh. like a, a, a whiz wit would be how I would like cheese whiz and Oh, look at that. See, onions. I even learned today. Yeah. So, so that's the most important thing that, that came the, out of this talk. Knowledge on this. The Philadelphia cheesesteak knowledge. I, I'm chastened and rebuked, my friend. Oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's good to talk to you, Mike. It's good to catch yeah. up. Uh, we look forward to hearing your session at Percona Live. Thanks for stopping in and telling us a little bit about what you're working on and about My Rocks. Sure. Absolutely. Pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your day. All right. Wow. What a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.